One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport as the summer transfer sagas stall. Just getting word through that it is now a done deal. Aaron Ramsdale to Arsenal. That is done. It's a simple message. It's done. Wow. Also this week, all 10 games previewed ahead of the second weekend of the Premier League season and with Arteta already under pressure. And he has Chelsea and their new number nine next. And what a story we have on this opening day of the season. We didn't know what to expect. Brentford, a side who promised so much, but have delivered so much on the opening day of the season. That's it. That's full time. Brentford 2, Arsenal 0. The bees are buzzing and they sting Arsenal and win their first ever Premier League game. Alex Crook, TalkSport transfer guru, is here, as is the assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis, as we pull apart all the big issues of the week with the creativity of a Mishi Batshuayi transfer unveiling. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. I don't know about you, but I, I thought the Mishi Batshuayi unveiling video for a loan move to Besiktas was a little bit over the top. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Listen, I think there are things that I look back at now (laughs) from when I was 20 and I cringe. And I think Batshuayi will look back at himself dressed up (laughs) in a Batman's outfit, a grown man in his 20s. He's not 14 like my son. Mm. He is in his 20s dressed like that. Yeah. Trying to be Christian Bale. Is yeah, it Christian Bale. Still? Yeah, yeah, Christian Bale. Well, I don't know. I don't think it's Christian Bale now. It was Christian Bale. Then it was Ben Affleck, and now it's Robert Pattinson, apparently. And and Michi Batshuayi. And Michi Batshuayi. It does remind Michi me of the time that uh, I got Marcus Hanneman, big Star Wars fan, to dress up as a Jedi Knight before their first Premier League game. <laughs> and in your paper, it. actually, Darren, the front page of your supplement. He agreed to it. Reading with furious. No, does does he look surprised. back on it and cringe? <laughs> I'd imagine so. This is Marcus Hanneman, who used to treat himself every single week after a Premier League game with fish and chips, Indian and Chinese. Yes, he did. Why yeah. is he? Why? Why is he bothering with the Premier League game? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great point. Uh, right, okay, let's start. Listen, we're, we're all together for the first time in a studio since you came on board on the pod. Well, like the oldest boy band on the planet. Aren't yeah, they? yeah, the, the best. Though. Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Quite frankly. Uh, how are you, okay? Very well. Uh, Very well Lucy's here as well. Hello, Lucy. Shout. Hello. Oh, you got a microphone. You don't need to shout. You're right. And, and Alex Crook is here, transfer guru. Um, let's start with um, transfers then, because um, obviously a lot of the talk has been about Harry Kane. Nothing really has happened in the last. Uh, two or three days apart from the fact that Harry Kane has told everybody all of his mates in the media he's unhappy that um, Daniel Levy hasn't fulfilled his gentleman's agreement yeah well I don't think we needed Kane's people to tell us that clearly that's been uh, the problem all the way along but I I know you've got a view on on Daniel Levy and um, I think this has been handled badly on both sides I think the gentleman's agreement does exist but there's a difference between a gentleman's agreement saying you can leave 
and a gentleman's agreement saying you can leave for a set amount amount of money. Mm. I wonder in some ways, should Harry Kane feel a bit disrespected by Manchester City because Tottenham have their valuation and Manchester City aren't willing to meet that valuation. Why say, should Daniel Levy give him away on the cheap? I think you're right. I think I don't think it's been handled badly on the side of Daniel Levy at all. If you want something from a transfer, put it in writing. It's very similar. It's mm. very simple. I think if you believe in handshakes and nods and winks, I mean, we all work in business and whatever, we get a contract. I think in any walk of life, if you want something out of any given situation, you get it in writing. I think as far as Daniel Levy is concerned, what's he done wrong? People well, say he's handled it badly. He's I, just I'm not, not necessarily. I'm not necessarily saying he has done anything wrong, although I do think we need to get a little bit more adult about the way we conduct transfer business in the whole country really because it's all a little bit sort of cloak and dagger it doesn't need to be like that I think the idea of having a buyout clause in every contract like there is in Spain is a much better way of doing things I also think actually that Spurs getting 125 to 30 million pounds for a striker who let's be honest is 28 wants to leave has had his injury problems no, it's not a bad no, deal. No, I don't no, think it's a bad deal. Absolutely not. We spend entire seasons talking about how Harry Kane is the best in the world. We eulogise about his consistency, his ability to score twenty plus goals in no every season. No one's ever gone for that in money a before. Bad well, that's not Harry. That's not Tottenham's fault. Do you know what is going to get Harry Kane playing again? The fact that we got a World Cup next year, and if he wants to be in that side with so many other players champing at the bit to get into that first team lineup, Mason Greenwood looks a fantastic natural finisher at Manchester mm. United and he's snapping at his heels Harry Kane can't take his position for granted no footballer however good you are can take your place for granted in the England I, national I just team. think that Levy is sort of trading off this outdated reputation that he's some great wonderful negotiator when the truth of the matter is that everybody who's ever wanted to leave Tottenham actually ends up leaving Tottenham and, and Harry Kane will end up leaving Tottenham anyway at the end and at the end of the day it's either going to be that Harry Kane ends up leaving Tottenham and falling out with Daniel Levy so we'll never want to go back and never want to be but involved you're arguing two with different them points. You're arguing to... I, I agree with you. He probably will leave. But like you say, Alex, he is worth a huge amount. I think he's worth more than £150 million. Pounds. I, I think that Spurs haven't done well by him at all in terms of building the team around him. So we agree. It's a lose-lose situation on no, both, both no, situations. It's, it's a messy divorce. And, a and messy as in divorce. all messy divorces, it's often the kids that suffer. And I think the fans in this case... Of the kids. I think Harry Kane let himself down at the weekend. We know that he is active on social media. Why didn't he just put a message out congratulating his teammates yeah, that was on a victory against Manchester City? That Why just strange. stay silent? Um, elsewhere, the Premier League is about to go into episode two of its 38 episode box set. Game day returns to your radio and it's bigger and bolder than ever before. We are underway for a brand new Premier League season. It's showtime. 3-0 to Liverpool. Unstoppable shot by Mo Salah. We are better ready for a proper fight there. That's what we are preparing for all the time now. The expectation should go on these players because they've been in the Premier League a long time and of course they want to win the same as I do. It's Manchester United 5, Leeds United 1. We know that we can bounce back from it. We can't wait to get in front of that mob next week. Calvin Lewin! Obviously it's one game, but the, the idea is uh, to approach every game like the most important. And Brighton have the lead! And it is Lewis Dunn! Three goals, three points in the back for Watford. Crowd's ready to roar, talk sports ready to rock, the players are on the dance floor. 
Let's start with Arsenal-Chelsea, Sunday, 4 o'clock kickoff. I've said this before on many occasions. This is the worst Arsenal side in my lifetime. Um, are Arsenal as bad as everyone is making out? On the evidence of the opening weekend, it looks like a bit of a mismatch, this, between Arsenal and Chelsea. Do you think that's the case? Or yeah. are we overreacting? Well, I think it probably is the case, but we probably felt similar emotions last season and they did the job um, over Chelsea. I don't expect that to happen again. I think Chelsea are, are clear favourites. I think Arsenal are a bit of a mess. Um, worst team in, in your lifetime, you're very old. Um, but I think <laughs> I think that probably is a fair assessment. Second youngest person in this room. <laughs> I think that is a, a, a fair assessment. They spent a lot of money this summer, uh, as much as anybody um, in the Premier League, when you look at the acquisitions of Aaron Ramsdale and Martin Erdegaard. I like your view on this, actually, because I got hammered by Arsenal fans for suggesting I don't understand what the fuss is about when it comes to Martin Erdegaard. I don't know what he did during his loan spell. Well, I also don't understand where he's going to play if Emil Smith-Rowe is being given the new contract and the number 10 jersey. Where, where is Erdegaard going to play? That's a really good question. It buys into Paul Merson's idea about what is the transfer policy mm-hmm. at Arsenal. Is it just, let's collect as many decent players as we possibly can that are, are younger and therefore ones that he can actually coach? Because at the moment, it looks like the older players are the ones he struggles with. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's uh, building the team around younger players. But the problem is that they've got lots of older players. They're looking for strikers when they've got Lacazette and Aubameyang, two strikers who know where the goal is. The problem is getting the supply to them, which is probably why he's brought in Odegaard. But as Alex says, I just can't see what he's trying to do. And I think Sunday is interesting. Last year, Arsenal won only four of their 12 games in all competitions before they played Chelsea. Everyone thought it would be the final nail in the coffin. They won. Chelsea had won eight of their 12 games in that spell leading up to the match. So, you can't take anything for granted in football. Ah, but Chelsea now have the ability to call on the services of Romelu Lukaku, £97.5 million. Although, if you're doing the Manchester City maths, I think it's only £1.5 million, pounds, actually, <laughs> that they, if you add up all the ones that they've sold over the last I year. I just think it, the game should be Joke on after jokes. 9 o'clock because I think I might have to watch it through my fingers. <laughs> well, look, you know, is it a worry for the Arsenal <clears throat> backline that have shipped rather easy goals or goals where they looked as if they were being bullied on Friday night against Brentford that Romelu Lukaku is going to turn up with a bit between his teeth having scored 24 goals in Serie A last season 64 in 98 for Belgium and a guy who really wants to prove that he has come home yeah if they defend in a, in the same manner they did against Brentford then uh, Lukaku will have a field day assuming he goes straight into the starting lineup. We've got a difference of opinion on this. You're not sure about it. I think, I think, I think you'll start on the bench. Your, your, yours is based on your fantasy team, though, isn't it? Well, it's, it's a decision to <laughs> make. Because he's sitting there and goes, I've, I've picked a great fantasy team. I don't want him to play. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm just not sure. Does he go straight into the starting lineup? What They had a good win on the opening day. Well, Do clearly you, he's not in your starting he's lineup. Not, he's not in my starting lineup. Is he in Darren Lewis's yes. or does he come yes. off the bench? No, he doesn't come off the bench. Why mm. would he need to? He knows the league. Scored goals for Chelsea, scored goals for Manchester United. He knows the league. Why would he need to be on the bench? Plus, the very side of him in the starting lineup will frighten the living daylights out of Arsenal. They cannot cope with big strikers. Strikers who are good in the air, uh, strikers who've got the ingenuity to pull defenders out of position and to overwhelm them with their uh, athleticism. I, I think that he's got so much more to his game as well with his vision, his touches. I just think that this could be brutal. Is the question actually not should Romelu Lukaku start the game, but who should start with yes. Romelu Lukaku? Because Pulisic's got an absolute rollicking from Thomas Tuchel in the first half against uh, Crystal Palace. Um, 
I mean, he might well miss out because you've got so many options for those who could play alongside Lukaku, Timo Werner, although he had a bit of a problem at the Stamford Bridge event earlier in the week, although I think that was quite well handled by the rest of the supporters that were in the stadium. Pulisic, Havertz, Ziyech, Mount, hudson Doy. There's so many options, but also so much variety, different types of players as well that can play in and off him. I think despite what that fan shouted over the Tannoy system, I think Timo Werner is probably one that will be guaranteed to start because I think his kind of play, the runs that he makes, will open up the space for Lukaku. I think he's going to be a really good foil um, for Lukaku. The Arsenal team's interesting because they've signed Aaron Ramsdale, £30 million package for a goalkeeper who's been relegated in successive seasons. I know a lot of Arsenal fans are not particularly enamoured with that signing. Yeah, but you love him. I think, he'll, I think he'll prove them wrong. I think he is a good goalkeeper and I think he's a big personality and they're crying and out. you know that first time because he's, he's one of your mates. He, I was he's say, one, one of his mates, yeah. There's a self-interest. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. You should, have you not seen the selfies of him and Aaron Ramsdale on holiday? No, but They went yacht fishing and all sorts. They need a big tuna. They need somebody who's got a, a big enough character to walk into what is still historically a big football club and I think he's got the ego to go in there and claim that number one jersey he's not going there to be a backup goalkeeper well he's better than Leno isn't he yeah he's better than Leno Emmy Martinez is better than Leno Jay Leno is better than Burnt Leno <laughs> Liverpool against Burnley is live on Saturday 12.30 on Talk Sport Burnley haven't won at home since January so they might well fancy being on the road for a little bit although Anfield does hold great memories for them because they were the first team to end the long unbeaten run that Liverpool were on although it sounds like I was being sarcastic and it might be difficult for them on Saturday they do have a, a relatively recent fond memory of the place Ashley Barnes penalty 83rd minute last season good goal well, good win for them 29% possession absolutely but possession doesn't mean really mean anything if you're well organised as Burnley always are and able to take your chances as they manage to do in order to save themselves I think this will be a a Liverpool win but I think Burnley will give a good account of themselves and Norwich created one or two opportunities and Burnley hit the woodwork twice against Brighton Virgil van Dijk says he's not 100% yet can Burnley trouble that Liverpool back line which is missing one or two members of its first choice defence I think yeah, absolutely. No, Andy Robertson, although I think uh, Simicast did quite well against Norwich and has proved himself to be a capable He was okay. Deputy. I think in the first half actually got caught out a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Camwell had him a little bit. You know, he got a bit bullied once. When Milner came and slapped him on the face, he was fine after that. I think what we know about Liverpool last season is they struggled to deal with teams with a physical presence, struggled to deal with teams who were direct I think Van Dyke being at the heart of that defence despite the fact he's clearly not firing on all cylinders does uh, alleviate that somewhat and I was impressed with Liverpool um, on the opening weekend they got their swagger back we talked about it on the podcast on Sunday night Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah actually looked like they enjoyed each other's company on the pitch that hasn't happened for a while I, I think Liverpool will come to be Burnley are one of the teams I do fear for this season I think they're going to re-sign 34 year old Aaron Lennon what does that say about these owners, the like of which we've never seen before in the Premier League? I think it tells us they're skint. <laughs> well, they haven't invested much, have they? Twelve million on Nathan Collins beforehand. Look, I feel Hennessy sorry for. Well. Yeah, it was a free transfer. Free transfer, yeah. You don't have to the pay point. for that. So sort of underlines yeah. your point. Yeah. They haven't. They haven't spent well, his money. point. He said they were broke, not me. Oh, good point. Yeah, just in case the defamation suit comes in. <laughs> uh, Liverpool have kept just five home Premier League clean sheets uh, last season. They should do better this campaign with Virgil Van Dijk back. Uh, Matip, uh, if he can stay fit for two games in a row, alongside him. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold looked lively in that game on Saturday. 
Saturday night against Norwich. And Diego Jota, I thought, took his goal really well. Although it was sort of didn't I don't think Salah meant to to edge it through to him. Mm. When it mm. did, he reacted really quickly, mm. and I thought that made. I mean, he he looked sharp, didn't he? And the fact that he was selected ahead of Firmino is that something we're going to see more often? Do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think it will. But it worked perfectly well for Klopp. He started, scored, came off. Firmino came on, scored. I think the depth. That's the word we keep using for all of the. Uh, teams in the Premier League that have a chance of winning the league. For Liverpool, I think that depth is in defence rather than up front, but that didn't work out too badly for them. Um, obviously, it's the return of Liverpool in front of their own crowd. I mean, I know they've played a couple of um, pre-season friendlies at Anfield, but this will feel completely different, won't it? A Premier League match, the first time that the full crowd has been crammed into Anfield since they won the title. And will the trophy be there on, on show? Are they going to get the chance to lift it in, in Manchester City's ribbons? Do you know, this bit, season, it's going to be proven... Though. I'm going to be proven right about the, diff- the the injuries and the impact that it had. Forget all of the stats from last season. Where's that music, Luz? Where's that music? <laughs> I think as far as Liverpool are concerned, you are going to see a different side providing a platform for the offensive players to express themselves, and then you'll realise just how much of a miss Van Dijk was. And Gomez. Talking of depth... And Alexander-Arnold. Talking of depth, the Wolves don't really have that much. They take on Spurs on Sunday afternoon. Spurs play Thursday night and Sunday early. Uh, early in the season, really, isn't it, for a sort of Thursday night, Sunday night trip. How much do you think a trip to former club Wolves is going to be tricky for Nuno? I think it's going to be a very emotional um, occasion for Nuno to go back to his old stomping ground. Um, I think the Wolves fans will give him... A fantastic reception, even though he was effectively sacked at the end of last season. And I think if he will know the opposition inside out, I'm sure he's got a game plan. His game plan against Manchester City worked to perfection. Um, stopping Jimenez and the supply into him will clearly be a big part of that plan. I think Tottenham might open up with back-to-back victories without Harry Kane. Yeah, I think they might do. Right. Wolves, uh, they lost. They only managed to win three of their final 13 games of last season. Mm. And uh, Spurs looked really good. This was a game that Spurs threw away the points in last season. Scored in the first minute, um, and then they conceded four minutes from time. Romain Sace scored late on in the match, and that was in one of a number of games where they threw away the points. Yeah, but it turned around really quickly, didn't it? Really, really quickly. And I think that was due to a lack of mentality. <laughs> Actually, no, I'll rephrase that. I think that the players were terrified to make one mistake because they knew that under Jose Mourinho, they one mistake could see them out of the side. They looked disciplined last week against City, but they looked like a team that had... they kind of more confident about their positions under uh, Nuno. And I think that this season could be a good one. The only thing I wouldn't do is read too much into the early season form because... City were uh, sorry Spurs were superb up until October smashed up Man United 6-1 at Old Trafford and then they started to lose their way towards the middle of the season here's a question about this game though last week they were set up brilliantly Nuno Espirito Santo and Tottenham Hotspur but they were playing against a side who were dominating the ball so they could sit back and then hit on the counter attack against Wolverhampton Wanderers they're going to be expected to make more of the running I think yeah, it could be uh, one of those games where neither side particularly wants the ball in the first half. I think it'll be fairly low scoring, um, a little bit cagey. We, we don't really know what to expect from Wolves yet under their new manager. Clearly, it's a, a change of style, a changing of the guard, if you like, 
as well. They're after a uh, winger from Valencia called Gonzalo Guedes. Guess who his agent is, uh, incidentally. <laughs> so I, th- I think there are funds there for, for Bruno Large to try and uh, revamp Harry his Kane's squad. brother? <laughs> <laughs> now, this is actually a proper agent. Uh, it goes by the name of uh, George Mendes. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just want to block Harry Kane's brother from your phone just in case you heard that um, they've also been linked Tottenham with Adama Traore the guy they're probably yeah. going to have to stop over the course of the next uh, few days um, how much truth is in that do you think, I think or is that it, just an easy I link I think it might be a case of putting two and two together to be mm. honest with the link also I think Nuno will look at Traore's statistics last season very few goals not that many assists either He's they're going to command rubbish, big, really? big money I, I don't think that's an area for, for that Tottenham sort of money spending. He doesn't really deliver the numbers, as Crook has no. said. I mean, you know, he's great at dribbling with the ball. He actually um, took on more dribbles last week than any other pr- pr- uh, Premier League player. But ultimately, he had the best chance that Wolves created throughout the game and missed it, which Didn't is a problem, yeah. I, I'd, I'd go for Ismail Assar at Watford. Really like him as a player. Direct. Uh, he'll need some, maybe some sharpening up in terms of the final ball, but that will come with a step up to a bigger club. I've put him in my dream team. Yeah, I'll have him in mine too. Right. Uh, Let's move on. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on talk sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. And now the roar! Listen to that roar. We are underway for a brand new Premier League season. Here's Adam Armstrong onside! Adam Armstrong, a debut goal for Southampton, but what a mess at the back! And Fernando's on a hat-trick, he's in behind here, he shoots into the top corner and scores! It's a hat-trick on the opening day for Bruno Fernandes, a long ball down the right, he went in behind the defence, he escaped past Robin Cock into the box, volleyed it hard, and Bruno is the star of the show. You don't get anything for a good half. We know that uh, we also have dropped last season a lot of points and uh, we tried to defend different in the end, but good job today, I think, but not good enough. It's collected by Pogba. Pogba's cross into the box. He's hit by Fred. It's five. It's five.
It's five on the opening day for Manchester United and Fred gets the goal. Southampton against Manchester United is a Sunday kickoff, two o'clock. Manchester United getting off to a great start after what was a, a season of slow starts, actually. I know that they beat Chelsea 4-0 a couple of years ago, but actually after that, it seemed to just slow up for them. It'd be important for them to keep going as quickly as they did against Leeds United. I think they'll probably terrorise a depleted Southampton, won't they? Yeah, certainly that's the impression that I'm getting from uh, local supporters and, and local journalists. They're really worried about this fixture with uh, Southampton collapsing in the second half at Goodison Park, still obviously trying to bring in a replacement for Yannick Vestergaard. That may or may not happen before kickoff. And Manchester United looked like they were a team oozing confidence, not just actually in that first game of the season against Leeds, but the 4-0 win against Everton in their last warm-up match. Bruno Fernandes looks like he's fully reinvigorated after an early exit from the European Championship, and there's no reason for me as a Manchester United supporter to fear this fixture. I think United should win, and I think they should win well. We could see uh, the likes of uh, Raphael Varane, maybe Cavani as well might be available. The boy Greenwood looks ready to step up and earn that central forward role. Um, It's been a good week for Manchester United, hasn't it? Terrific week. Absolutely terrific week. They looked terrific last weekend. Varane signing... Really energised the fan base. Sancho came on late. I was a little bit disappointed that Varane didn't come on with a Batman mask or something. <laughs> that was a good old-fashioned unveiling of a player. And I'd like to see more of that. I mean, we touched it at the top well, of the podcast. Well, it wasn't unveiling. I suppose the one thing about the Batshuayi thing was it an actual unveiling. Because yeah. we didn't know who it was and then he took the mask <laughs> off. I mean, maybe that's maybe we could work that in. I think United have learnt their lesson from uh, the cringy video of uh, Alexis Sanchez playing a piano <laughs> and that was the last time they ever got a tune out of Alexis Sanchez so maybe uh, that's why the they've gone back to basics even the piano can't get any work now so <laughs> uh, Rashford's making uh, steady progress apparently from his shoulder injury he's back in the gym he's training again not out on the pitch but he's doing some water work he's doing uh, good rehab he could be back by the end of September but, but Sam the key word is depth we're talking about the depth with Liverpool's defence the depth with Chelsea you talk about the players that didn't play last weekend Rashford Cavani Sancho came on late Varane obviously is still to come into the side there are and there's also talk about potentially another midfielder coming in maybe which is Basuma, what they need yeah. which is what they need absolutely because if you think about Lingard he's talking about wanting to fight for his place he's got no future at Manchester United he's a wonderful player but clearly they are planning without him if they can get Bissouma I think United have a squad capable of challenging for the title too um at the other end of the spectrum there's Southampton and they don't have much depth and didn't last season that was a big problem for Ralph Harson who's always difficult from 90 minutes to assess anybody but Adam Armstrong did get on the score sheet at Goodison Park do you think he can score the goals that Danny Ings got last season yeah Danny Ings didn't actually get that many goals last season he was much more prolific the season before so I think Armstrong will settle into the Premier League any former striker would tell you when they've made a big move like that getting off the mark early is so important in terms of confidence so I think he will have a good goal scoring season it's the other end of the pitch that worries me I think they conceded 68 goals last season even with Yannick Vestergaard and Ryan Bertrand in their armory they don't have them anymore I was intrigued to see Carl Walker Peters left out the starting lineup on Merseyside I know they really rate Livramento. They think he's going to be a future superstar, but 
Walker Peters, I think, a bit unlucky to lose his place. And um, I think defensively, I would trust him more at the moment than I would Liveramento. But why would you do that? Why, why would you sign Liveramento and then put him into the team after spending money on Carl Walker Peters only, what, a year ago? Because they're so excited. I mean, it was described to me by somebody senior at St Mary's as their most important signing since Virgil van Dijk. That's how highly they rate this kid. Uh, but Wait, did they sign him permanently? Yeah, yeah. Chelsea of, have got a big buyback, forty million pound buyback option. Um, right. So it's a good deal that Southampton it's have done, and, and, and they worked really well hard to get him. He, but... And he created uh, a good opportunity, I think, in that game as well, didn't he? And he scored, he created a goal in the the preseason friendly uh, earlier in the uh, in the summer. Uh, but it's a big ask to sort of put your trust in someone that age, and also when you desperately, desperately need players, it, it seems an odd thing to buy a player in a position you've already got cover. Not only that, sir. When you need someone, especially on the other side. Well, I was trying to lead them down the Gary Cahill path who is uh, signing for Bournemouth. I I think his experience would have been absolutely integral in that dressing room. Where did you get that that idea? (laughs) Could anyone remember? Was was it, I think it might be on the, was it on the (laughs) pre-pod? Agent Matterface. But anyway, he's gone to Bournemouth so that that, that avenue is closed. I think they are looking to to the foreign market. Good luck to them because it's a difficult job for the chief executive, Martin Simmons, and the board there because they've got the owners who don't want to invest their own money. They're they're trying to find a buyer for the club. It's all about staying in the Premier League, which I think they will, but they're going to be looking over their shoulders. Just a quick point that I want to ask you, actually. Uh, It used to be the time when Southampton were producing exciting young talents. Now they're getting excited about buying other clubs' young talents. What's happened to the Southampton Academy? It's a very good question. Was um, it the little box that they used to sit in? What was it called? The little black box, was it? Or the yeah. red box or something that they used to all box. sit in? Was well, it? Yeah. Th- th- this was one of the reasons that Ronald Koeman fell out with the board there because they were trying to get him to promote from within and he didn't believe the young players that they were developing were good enough to go and play in the Premier League. And I think ultimately he's probably been proven right. I guess it goes in, in well, cycles. Well, Parsons said the same thing. Yeah. Back so, in January, I think, yeah. isn't it? But I don't think it's necessarily that they're doing anything wrong. I think it just goes in, in cycles. I think other clubs actually have probably copied the Southampton model because they were trailblazers um, at the turn of the century in terms of producing their own players. But people like Chelsea now have got big satellite schools in, in Surrey and in Hampshire. They, they take a lot of the best young talent. Even Reading's Academy, not that far down the road, has is, is really kicked on. So it's such a competitive market for, for young players. Another bit of Potter magic got Brighton out of a bit of a hole on Saturday at Burnley, although the goal that Burnley scored should never really have been allowed. Uh, Neil Mope and McAllister on the score sheet. Um, this could be quite an open game as Brighton take on Watford live on TalkSport at 5.30 uh, this Saturday. You're commentating on this one. Your first uh, live commentary in the Premier League this season? It is, yeah. Looking forward to it as well. Big uh, confidence boost for Brighton to come from behind. I mean, Graham Potter admitted that he got his first half team selection wrong. So I think some of those players who came on and, and made an impact, the likes of McAllister and, and maybe Modder as well. You've seen play for Poland against England. I think he's a really good player, Modder, and I think they need to try and well, find a space for him. He made an impact after coming off the bench. Within the a minute. Yeah. Um, and actually McAllister scored within McAllister, two minutes. So yeah. two inspired subs there. And uh, midfield is a battle. Darren's already mentioned Basuma, I think would be a terrific signing for Manchester United. He won the most tackles of any Premier League player last season. Tom Cleverley made more tackles than anybody in the Championship. So that little head-to-head Ooh, it's going to be really clash. important. Uh, the pace of Emmanuel Dennis up front for Watford and Ishmael Assar, uh, look, it caused so many problems for Aston Villa mm. and their back line over the weekend. Will Duffy and Dunk be a little bit concerned? Uh, no. 
I think it's the wide players that will be concerned because they are going to have a job on trying to contain Sai in particular. Do you know, I think Brighton did a fantastic bit of business selling Ben White to Arsenal for £50 million. Wonderful player, never a £50 million player. You can see why a player, clubs go abroad to sign footballers and they are the ones who are really good in the air at Brighton, not so much Ben White. So I think if Brighton can reinvest that money that they've brought in for him into a couple of decent cheeky signings before the window, I think they could be okay this season. Uh, Potter loves changing the team around, doesn't he? He does. And he likes changing it from the bench as well. Did you know any four Premier League sides made more than Brighton's 108 substitutes last season? Wow. I didn't, but I shall nick that for my uh, commentary preparation no on Saturday night. at all. Another commentary live on TalkSport 2 this weekend is Leeds against Everton, arguably the best game of the entire season last year. Um, Leeds got battered at Old Trafford, but uh, one or two, Stanley Victor Collimore in your paper over the weekend, and just started to pull their guns out on Marcelo Bielsa, well, suggesting that maybe he should have a plan B, a pragmatist option. Um, I think he's probably got enough credit in the bank to be able to get away with one or two big defeats. It's happened before and they've bounced back from it. They've gone and beaten Manchester City away from home not too long ago. So I think before he sort of gets criticised too heavily, I think appreciation of getting them into the top half of the table is probably more... Do you know, I love the sport of football because I think if you make observations like Stan well, did, you're seen opinions, as criticising. And I don't well, think he was criticizing. Well, but but what I'm saying is you can't just make an observation. It has to be seen either praise or criticism. We're very binary in this. Yes, we are. We are. You're yeah. right. The whole society has now gone binary. Well, that's very true. That's true. But, but, but... This is enough a... Radio 4 chat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that he makes a really good point. Open up against the sides of comparable ability. Maybe be a bit ambitious against... Uh, you know your Everton's and your Leicester's and your Aston Villa, but against the top four, you can't. It's just eleven goals in two games. You cannot go to Manchester United and open up like that. It's just so well, naive. In the game, the guy's sixty-six years of age. He's been all round the, the the block in terms of clubs. You'd have thought he'd have said to himself, "You know what? I haven't got Calvin Phillips this week." Let's keep it tight. Let's keep it compact. Well, they did for 53 minutes. They scored their goal. Then they it just wasn't got, compact. United was still creating chances they just got, for fun. They just got. They just got undone by. Pogba brilliance easily, uh, and they've conceded eleven goals now in their oh, two okay. cup so finals. Last year, is the cloak of invincibility slipping? I, I've always thought the lack of a plan B is a problem. And actually, if you go back to the end Why of did I ask a Manchester United, no, but if you go back to the right. end of the season when they missed out on promotion, I was at Brentford when it all came tumbling down, and there was a suggestion that then, even from Leeds fans, that maybe they needed a plan B I don't think it's going to be as good a season for Leeds this no, season as it was last and, and, and I think there will be more questions asked of Bielsa well they lost only six home games last season mm. and but I suppose the, the, the major thing is is that they go back to Ellen Road this weekend for the first time in 17 years in the Premier League with an actual crowd there so that should help them against uh, Everton although really? I'm slightly I'm, I'm in the Rafa camp, you see, so I think that he'll do a very good job there. You went on holiday with him, didn't you, to uh, Saint Tropez? <laughs> I've just got Not Saint Tropez. It's Rafa. He's very tight, you know. I've we went to Butlins. I've got this image of you head. and Rafa both walking along the promenade, <laughs> holding in your hands in our speedos, speedos. Yeah, 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 yeah. licking your lollipops. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a big game for Leeds. Uh, big turnaround. Because we, 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 there's a, a history of clubs in the Premier League who excel in their first season, struggle in their second. If they open with back-to-back defeats, mm. suddenly that just piles on the pressure. I think you're right. Listen, Everton won their last season 2-1. They did it in a brilliant game. In a brilliant game. Calvert-Lewin scored. Last weekend, very, very significant, Sam, because it was the first time since 2015 
that Everton had come from behind after losing mm. or being behind at half time and that just shows you what Rafa can do he's an organiser he's an instiller of character and I think he's going to transform this Everton side <laughs> Well, that's not true, is it? Because on your way up to the studio, you fell over. I did fall over, and, and I thought a ladder in my tights. Now. Darren said, as soon as he walked in, late, by the way, as usual, <laughs> um, he said, do you fall over, like, once a month, once a week? What is it? I fell over a bush the other night on my way back from uh, Portsmouth. I was actually texting a chief executive and paid no attention to the bush in front of me and stacked it. It's, it's funny, because often in the, in the transfer window, you can't see the wood through the trees. <laughs> and you boom, boom, ching. There was a better joke that was cut out, unfortunately. But anyway, uh, moving on. Lucy, what you got for us? I've got a tiny little quiz. A tiny little quiz? Yeah, just one question each. On what? Norwich in Manchester City. Oh, Man City Norwich, which is a Saturday 3 o'clock kickoff. A different way to preview this game. Mm. Good idea, Lucy. Love that. Right, let's start with you, Sam. Ooh. And my question is, what were the names of the two Brightwell brothers that have previously played for Manchester City? Ian. Yeah. I've got it if it comes across. Ian and... Oh. Ian and his brother. Mm, Ian Brightwell right. and... And the good-looking one. Do you know it as well, Darren? Mark Brightwell. Yeah. Incorrect. Oh. Is it David? It is David. Oh, I knew that. I thought it was Paul, actually. Now, so this is a free-for-all now for a bonus point. Okay. Which... If you get a half a point for that, right? You get a half a point. Okay. Bonus point if you can tell me which brother made the most competitive first-team appearances. Ian. That is correct. And I was first. Yeah, he was. He was first. So it's time Don't rub me. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't sanitise when you came Ian in. Ian made 356 appearances and David made only 45. Ah. Right, Darren, now it's your turn. Okay. A standout fixture between these two sides was back in November 2013 when Man City sailed to a 7 0 victory. Can you name for me one of the goal scorers? What year? 2013. And I'll tell you this, Darren, you've got seven different chances because I think there were seven different goal scorers. There were. Do you know what? I actually... Re I wish I'd had that question. <laughs> <laughs> he only needs to get one goal scorer out of seven. Yeah. yeah. But there were seven different goal scorers. <laughs> De Bruyne scored twice. Jesus scored one. Uh, Hold on, so De Bruyne was his first answer. Yeah, De Bruyne was the first answer. He was definitely at Chelsea or Genk yeah, at that period. Yeah, not De Bruyne. You know, I'm going to take a little bit of a flyer here because there's probably six obvious answers. This is a ridiculous. This is a ridiculous risk. Go on. Did Zabaleta score? No. Told you it was a risk. Aguero. Correct. Oh, right. See, that was the, that was the tapping. That was the Darren Bent <laughs> answer. Do you know what I went? I went for last season's win where they demolished them. For some reason, I had last season's. So you win didn't in my listen mind. to the 2013 I didn't to the question, oh, even though fine. I asked her twice. He's too busy, like, making signals to his mates outside yeah, the room. Yeah, he was. He right, was. Got distracted. Okay. Here's a lovely question Darren for you. It was a bush he tripped over. <laughs> okay. I know you love my quizzes, Crooks. I've done you a special question. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Delia Smith. Where are you? Let's be having you. Delia Smith, lifelong Norwich fan and shareholder, is known for two things, being a celebrity chef and her outburst in 2005 at a game between these two sides. But can you tell me the name of her latest cookbook? Oh. <laughs> That's a shocker, isn't That's it? That's not actually the real question. Oh, please, <laughs> you should have left it for ten seconds longer. 
picture on a guest at the thing, though, for a bonus point. What a... Delia's Delights. Cooking it's... at home. Nope. Oh. It's Delia's Complete Cookery Course, and I've just checked. It's only 20 quid. Oh, Amazon? Um, a few bookstores available, oh, so good. if you want to pick that up. Um, anyway, so the actual question I will ask you is, on the ball city is the oldest football chant in the world, but in which era was it written? I can't believe you don't know that. Uh, That's what the programme's called. When you say era, are we talking decades? So I was born in the 1990s. So that's Lucy's era. Sam was born in the 1960s. That's uh, not true. <laughs> it is actually true. That's Darren. <laughs> On the Ball City is the oldest football chant. So let's say 1930s. Incorrect. Anyone else want to guess? Uh, 1900s. Close, but not correct. How did I get that question? <laughs> 1920s. It's the 1890s. Oh, I was closest. Do I get a point for being closest to the pin? <laughs> right, let's move on. <laughs> Astonbury against Newcastle is Saturday at three o'clock. Villa unbeaten in the last five against Newcastle. I mean, you doubt Aston Villa will be as vulnerable on the counter-attack this week and down the flanks as they were last week, Darren. No, the most significant thing that happened last weekend was uh, Dean Smith uh, ripping into his players at half-time, talked about it after the match and said, you know, no matter how good the calibre of player that we've got here, you've got to work harder. And they came out and they did. And those two goals they scored against uh, Watford will probably be the platform for their season. I expect them to be much, much better this weekend. And I think they'll win. Newcastle, conversely, very open, but don't have the nimbleness to change, which was, I suppose, a bit of an issue last season, really. And certainly when the tide turned against West Ham on Sunday afternoon. Or when the tide turned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Obviously, they've got Joe Willock it's available. The tide turned? <laughs> it's quite straight, isn't it, the tide? <laughs> <laughs> um, they've got Joe Willock available this weekend and he will go straight into the starting lineup. so it will be interesting to see what happens there. They're using John Joe Shelby as a, as a deep-lying midfielder. I'm not convinced that he's that barrier in front of the back four that they require. So I think a defensive midfielder should be near the top of Steve Bruce's shopping list. Uh, Callum Wilson started the season in excellent form. If Villa are as open as they were in that first half against Watford, he could well get some joy. But they need to train Alan Samaximan. He's a wonderful talent, but he spent too much of the game last weekend trying to run from the edge of his own penalty area, using up all his energy. Game management he needs. Do your tricks in areas where it's going to hurt the opposition, not inside your own half. Yeah, Declan Rice didn't really recover from that first... Uh, well, probably still hasn't recovered from that first half twist and turn that, that uh, Alan sent next no. But he burns Got. himself out. But That's actually, the in the second half of the game, Rice was much more adept at keeping hold of mm. that Newcastle midfield. I think um, Newcastle might have an issue with Sam Maximan because I know one or two clubs like him a lot. And with a very short space of time between now and the end of the window, they might be fielding a few bids for him. What do they do? They take the money or do they let him go? It's Newcastle. Money, what, exactly. what clubs, Darren? Well, I know Everton like him a lot. Mm. I know West Ham like him a lot. It just depends on how much, obviously, he's, mm-hmm. he's priced at. But he's shown a very short space of time that he is decent. Very decent. Newcastle's defence uh, looked suspect for a while, hasn't it? In fact, when they got better at the end of last season, it was the attack that started firing rather than solidifying the defence. They considered 62 goals last season. This game has got the propensity to be quite an open contest. Yeah, I think it will. Um, although Villa obviously improved markedly at the back last season compared to their first campaign back in the Premier League. But yeah, I do expect goals. And I think Newcastle actually, 
and their fans won't like me saying this, they're going to be quite entertaining to watch this season mm. if they keep Sam Maximam and if Wilson stays fit and with Joe Willock now in the team. The entertainers are back. Mm. Um, right. That Aston Villa solidity actually started on the back end of the season before last, didn't it? When they came back from lockdown having watched loads of videos of Italian football. When they stayed out thanks to a technological mm. failure. Dear, oh dear. <laughs> You're right there. Oh, it's because I for, keep forgetting. Doesn't get on with Dean Smith. Yeah. No, it's because Bournemouth got relegated. Actually. Do you know I love the, the reason why I love this? this Sometimes it podcast. takes me a couple of minutes just to work out who he's fallen it's, out with. In exactly. The past, so. This podcast is built all around bias, uh, crooks, personal grudges, or <laughs> uh, friendships. Yeah, and absolutely. By the way, your phone's Mates. just gone off again. I think the chief executive of Southampton wants a little bit of help. Uh, Crystal Palace against Brentford Saturday, three o'clock. Kids on the bench, 18-year-olds uh, in the starting lineup. Um, look, I don't think Crystal Palace particularly impressed last weekend. We talk a lot about depth. They certainly do not have it. They don't, but I don't think you can judge them by what they did against uh, Chelsea, which was absolutely nothing. I think this is a kind of match that you're going to judge them against. Why is it that they only used one of their new players on Saturday against Chelsea. Well, I mean, Chelsea's a very, very hard club to give anyone their debut against. And I think uh, he's probably waiting for a match like this to kind of ease his, the you new know, players into the side. They've still got work to do as well. He said so last week after the match. He did. Uh, so I still think that you can only really judge Palace by the, when they bring better players in. But you would expect them to give a much better account of themselves against Brentford. Uh, Vieira is the third straight Palace manager to start with a defeat. It'll be interesting to see what the reception is like at Selhurst Park. Because notoriously, actually, it's quite a hostile, intimidating place to go to for visiting teams. Yeah, you've got those ultras who always make it uh, very intimidating. And I think it's an old school football ground, quite atmospheric um, when the crowd are jumping. This is a an interesting game for me because obviously Brentford started on a high against Arsenal. It could possibly be a danger of an after the Lord Mayor's show type game. I don't think it will be because I think Brentford will surprise people, particularly in the first half of the season. And I think Crystal Palace, with the change in manager, the change in style, the change in personnel, they, they, they're going to take a while, I think, to necessarily gel. And I think, as you said before, Sam, I think it was Adrian Durham, actually, Steve Parrish wasn't patient with De Boer. Mm. I think he might have to be patient with Vieira because it isn't be. going to happen overnight. It, he's got to be, hasn't he? Because if he isn't, then you're, he, you're repeating the same mistakes over and over again, which is we're trying to do something to change the style of football, but actually we don't like the transition period mm. in between time. And you, you can't, you can't go to, keep going down that route. So you either accept it and you just keep playing the way that they were under Hodgson, which wasn't particularly entertaining and everyone was getting bored. Um, or you try to be progressive but have to be patient at the same time. Look, no championship side scored more away goals than Brentford. Brentford were a real threat from set pieces on mm. Friday night. Mm. That will be something that Palace need to factor in, I think. Yeah, they're extremely analytical. I really did like uh, Frank Onyeka. I, I, I think I, I hope I've got his name right. Um, in midfield, Frank the Tank, they called him at Midtjylland, and I think he's going to be a really good player for them. But I just think that they they analyse and they analyse and they work and they drill their players and they're disciplined and there's so much to like about the way that they play. I don't even think they played at their best against Arsenal mm. and they managed to overwhelm them. So if City are not, uh, sorry, if Palace are not at it for this match, you're right, set pieces are where they'll grab their goals, but I still do think they'll score goals from open play as well. Were you a little bit worried when Patrick Vieira said we lacked a little bit of competitiveness in the game against Chelsea. You're in Darren's school that actually if Chelsea write it off, move on to the next one. 
No, I don't think you can afford to write any games off in the Premier League because losing becomes a habit and it's not one that you want to get into. And but they hardly created any chances at all. Yeah, but they had a dis- disruptive pre-season. I remember they were training at St George's Park and were due to play a friendly against Portsmouth and had to pull out because they didn't have enough players uh, to make up their squad. So, But that was... that. I don't, I don't mean to be rude to Steve Parrish and to Crystal Palace, but that's not a surprise, is it? Let's be completely honest, but they'd have 14 people to run out of contract. They didn't sign them all back into first-team deals. So... If you allow a lot of people to go and you only bring in four or five players, then you're going to be in a situation where your squad is weaker and than on it top was of that, actually, in you, terms you, of numbers you, the season you before. Say that pre-season, they won four of their six games in preseason. They only lost one. But because of, of so many players being out of contract, as Sam said, they, they didn't actually get their new manager in place as early as they really should have done because we all knew from January that Roy Hodgson was yeah. heading for the hills. This one on paper is one where they will be targeting points. I fancy Brentford. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah, um, Monday night, West Ham against Leicester. It's the first Monday night football of the season. And it sees uh, both winners on day one. Uh, last year, West Ham troubled the big boys at home and Leicester fall into that category and bracket now. In fact, they did the double over Leicester mm. last season. Played really well in the game um, at Leicester towards the end of the season. And it was that stage you thought maybe they could be Champions League contenders, as Darren actually predicted earlier in the season uh, Harvey Barnes has just signed a new contract for Leicester Sam I know you're a massive admirer of him he's someone that you think will have a huge season I love Harvey Barnes yeah and and I think this will be a good game uh, you know West Ham the entertainers last weekend with that win at Newcastle Leicester maybe a little bit more stodgy again looked like they were lacking a little bit of fitness but I think there'll be goals in this one uh, really looking forward to it a bit like this podcast it's usually a ding dong yes uh, of uh, the last 14 matches I in thought you were going to say it's usually a bit stodgy no <laughs> <laughs> but definitely ageing squads um, both teams have scored in 11 of the last 14 meetings between the do you know two. there was a lot to like about the win last week for West Ham four goals they scored. They weren't very good in the first half but were much better in the second whereas Leicester were alright in the first half but actually had to change halfway through the second you know half the because they were thing, getting overrun a bit. The biggest thing that win did for West Ham David Moyes the owners was buy them some time that lots of people expected them to go out and buy players in this window haven't done that yet they need reinforcements at the back and up front but Antonio looks terrific but Ben Rama looks good too they still do need to go and do some work but this has just given them a bit of breathing space and I expect them to beat Leicester on Monday okay looking forward to it going to be a cracking weekend whatever happens make sure you tune in to TalkSport TalkSport 2 we've got all the action covered you can download our app there's podcasts there as well and please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. it is the game day podcast from TalkSport we're back on Monday morning when you wake up with Luce who we got with us me Crook and I haven't booked him yet. Somebody. We'll see you then. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.